all that Satan would throw at him. He knew. God knew before. God knew what it would be that, would, that Satan would use. I mean, here's a man that God is raising up and lifting up to use to write 12, 13 books, whichever you count, in the New Testament. And Satan realized this is a dangerous man. I've got to do something about this man. I've got to destroy this person if I can. And with everything that he had, with everything that hell could spew forth, he tried to destroy him. God knew exactly what lay ahead in his life. God knew exactly that place where he could take the thorn and place in his heart so that it might remain true to him. Because if he, if he had not had the thorn in the flesh, when those shipwrecks of life came his way, when he had to endure uh, those trials where he was brought before the Judaizers and he was accused falsely, he would not have been able to withstand. He would have crumbled. He would have broken under that strain. And we would not have 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians or 1 and 2 Timothy or 1 and 2 Thessalonians or Ephesians. You know, what if Paul had resisted? No, Lord, I, I'm not going through this. I can't endure the prison bars. But when it came time, and when the door went shut behind him, when he marched into a Roman dungeon, and in the mustiness, in the dirtiness, and in, in, the, in the field, he was again able to say, because of the thorn that he had endured some years before, he was again able to say, Realize my grace is sufficient. When the winds and the storms came into his life, when he was making his voyage to Rome, how would he have ever, how would he, who would have ever dreamed that he'd be going on a, a cruise on a prison ship? That's bad enough. It's, it's enough, Lord, isn't it, that I be in prison? It's enough, Lord, isn't it, that I'm in jail and then yet here are these people that, that they have sworn, they have made a vow that they will not eat another meal until the breath has left my body. Isn't that enough to endure, Lord? No, Paul, it's not. But remember, remember what I told you. My grace is sufficient. Then when he's taken in shackles and bonds and he's placed in the belly of a prison ship. And you know, you didn't lie in a luxurious cabin enjoying the view. What your duty was, your duty was at the oppression of the threat of death, if you didn't, was to take a wooden oar in your hand. And at the command at the command of the captain and at the command of that Roman soldier, you were to roll with all your might and you dare not get tired and you dare not fall out and you dare not resist and you dare not quit. And that was Paul's struggle. Roll, roll, roll in the hot belly of that ship with the sweat streaming down his face and his clothes drenched, and his body given out with the agony and the pain and every muscle in him hurting from that that he was enduring for the sake of the gospel. 
I didn't know rowing had much to do with preaching. It does. Is it that enough to endure, Lord? Is it that enough to go through? No, Paul. But my grace is sufficient. And then when the winds and the storms come and they begin to blow and, and, and everyone is frightened, we hear these strong, courageous men that have seen battle after battle, that have seen the blood of, utter, of others flow freely into the earth at the pierce of their spear or at the cut of their sword, have lived as people died. Here are these men in the midst of a storm, and they've been in storms before. They have been through the Eurycladons before. The winds of the hurricanes have blown before. The waves have lashed at the bow of the ship before, but not like this one. Not like this one. And they are so fearful for their own lives, and they begin to throw things overboard. Those things are at least precious go over first. Those things that you know you can do without. When the storm comes, that's the first thing that we throw overboard. But God says, that's not enough. That's not enough. And they throw those things that are least precious overboard and they're still sinking. And they begin, and they make the decision, a life and death decision that we must throw overboard the cargo. That's the means by which that was going to make this voyage possible. That's the result at the end of the voyage that we were longing for. No. You must throw it overboard something you've been holding on to all your life. Something you've said, no, God, I'll not let go of this. I've got to have this. He said, no, throw it overboard. You're going to make it. You're going to survive. You've got to be willing to let go. As long as you hold on to God's good, you can't have God's best. I enjoy the good things that God gives us. As long as you hold on to God's good. No, Lord, I'm not letting go. But I have something so much wonderful I want to give you. I have some other blessing that's, that's so much more wonderful. Oh, if you think that's good, I oh, wish you just see what I have here for you. It's too precious to me. I can't let it go. And when you let go of God's good, he can give you God's better. And you get God's better and you hold on to it and, and, the, and, and the storm comes and, no, God, I'm not letting go. This is better. This is the best I've ever had it. God says, if you let go of the better, I'll give you the best. No, God, I'm not letting go of it. I'm, I'm, I'm power hungry. I'm in this struggle and I'm not letting go of it. 
God says, if you'll let go, I'll give you my best. How many people go through life with just God's good when they could have God's better or they could have God's best? I would hate to get to heaven and realize that or come down to the end of life and breathing my last breath and realize that I could have had God's best, but I held on to God's good. When he tried to take it out of my hand, he tried to wrestle it out of my hand, but I wouldn't let go. If you're going to survive, you've got to throw it overboard. If you're going to make it through the Eurocline and you've got to throw it overboard. It's the only way we're going to make it through. After they've done all they can do, it is certain, certain as to their thinking that they're not going to make it. Paul's still down in the belly of the ship. Praying. I wonder if he might have said, Lord, was it enough to be in prison? Isn't it enough to be hated by people that you love? Isn't it enough to be despised by people that you're trying to help? Isn't that enough to endure? Isn't it enough to endure that kind of love? All for the sake of the gospel? No, Paul. Remember the thorn. Remember the thorn and remember when the prison bar went shut behind you. Remember, remember when they swore that, that they would see you die. Remember when I told you, Paul. Remember when you stood in front of Agrippa and he mocked you and he said, in a, in a more convenient time, at a more convenient time, I might would listen. And you poured out your heart to him and cared for him and in love for him, wanting to see him come to the eternal knowledge of grace. It's not vain, Paul. But remember, my grace is sufficient. Even though that no one has ever seen, even though the hardened captain of the ship has never seen a storm like this, Paul, my grace is sufficient, and I'm keeping my promise to you, and on the very day that you accepted me on the road to Damascus, and I told you then that you would speak before kings, and you would stand before Caesars, and Paul, I'm keeping my promise to you, and I don't care what kind of storm that Satan may blow forth and try to destroy you. You are my man, you are my man for this time and this place, and I'm going to use you, and I'm going to bring you through. My grace is sufficient. Paul stood before that group of prisoners and soldiers and said, This night, the holy angel of God has stood in my presence and told me that not one life would be lost. If you, if you will listen, if you will obey, given to me. My grace is sufficient. 